Welcome to the I Will Teach You a Language podcast, weekly doses of language learning tips and motivation to help you become fluent in any language. With me, Ollie Richards. Hello. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the I Will Teach You a Language podcast. It's Ollie Richards here and great to be uh, talking to you from across the interwebs, wherever you are in the world. It's <laughs> fact. When I was in Japan, um, I was walking through some park in west, in northwest Tokyo called Shakuji Koen. And this is a place that not many tourists, but no tourists would go. You'd never go here as a tourist. Although you should, because it's very nice, but people don't go there. And then I was just walking through um, this park in uh, northwest Tokyo and uh, a listener to the podcast actually sort of spotted me from across this park and and uh, we started chatting and uh, turns out she's a, a long-term listener of the podcast she found me through um through Luke's English podcast actually and it was just oh, it's the coolest thing in the world to be in this tiny part of western tokyo and and just to you know she recognized me from my hair of all things so what a strange world we live in anyway that was really really cool um and i, I really enjoy it when those things happen they don't happen all that often but um anyway I thought I'd share that with you. I would like to thank, before we get into today's question, the wonderful sponsors of the show and whatever language you are learning, wherever you are in the world, whatever nationality of teacher you're looking for, and however little you have spoken your target language in the past, italki is a place where you can start speaking that language more, where you can get professional lessons, where you can get, uh, you can find a speaking partner, where you can get informal tutoring to help you get up and running in that language. Uh, italki is a fantastic company. You can get $10 worth of free credit, which you can use to take a couple of trial lessons with different teachers to find a teacher that you like uh, by going to iwillteachyourlanguage.com forward slash free lesson. All right, then. Today is an email question coming through from Andre. Andre, I'm sorry, I'm not quite sure of the pronunciation. Um, but anyway, I'll read this out and then I will... Uh, do my best to to help with the answer. The title of the email was L3 through L2 Learning Experience, which is always an interesting uh, subject line to come through to your inbox. L3 through L2 Learning Experience. You'll see what he means in a second. So, Andre says, Hi Oli, thank you for your podcast. I try to listen to each episode as it gives me a lot of useful information. Currently, I'm living in Spain and studying Spanish. So I was wondering if you could answer the question which keeps springing to my mind every time I deal with new Spanish words and expressions. The thing is, I'm a teacher of English, but English is not my native language. I'm from Ukraine. Nevertheless, I match Spanish vocabulary with English equivalents, largely for my English not to get rusty. However, I've had my doubts lately whether it's an appropriate way to learn a new language by employing another one which is not my native either. What does your experience say? Thanks in advance. Andrew, thank you very much for your question. Um, so there are a couple of different terms for this. Essentially what you're talking about here is learning one language through um, another. And a, this is called different things. A, a term that my friend Richard uses is laddering. Laddering, L-I-D-D-E-R-I-N-G. Like, as in... A ladder, the thing that you use to climb up the side of a building, which is not something that I tend to do very often. In fact, I can't remember the last time I've been on a ladder. 
don't like ladders very much. I'm always sort of paranoid they're going to slip out from under me. And I'm, whenever I see someone up on a ladder, I always think, oh, God, oh, I can't look at it. Anyway, the idea is that you kind of step up on, you, as you go up the rungs of a ladder, those rungs represent languages. And so you can use one language to learn another. And generally, it's like seen as a, as a pretty good thing. I have lots of polyglot friends who use one language to learn another. It's very common. The only, and I also don't think it's a big deal. I think the only kind of criteria is that it shouldn't feel hard. If it feels like it's hard or you're stretching yourself and it might not be the most efficient thing because our objective with language learning always is to make it as easy and not as easy, but as stress-free and enjoyable as possible. So, you know, I think it's a cool idea if you want to practice two languages at the same time in that way, but you've got to enjoy it and you've got to feel it's beneficial because if you don't, you're just going to slow yourself down. So I think it's absolutely fine. You know, as a Ukrainian who who, who speaks extremely good English, Andre, I really don't think it matters whether you refer to, whether you're trying to translate words to English or Ukrainian. I mean, because when, when, when you do that, all you're doing really is just getting the meaning clear in your head, which is a very quick thing to do. And then you're back to the Spanish, right? And I, I don't know what level your Spanish is, but I would say that, you know, if you speak Ukrainian and English, you're probably going to find Spanish uh, re- relatively easy. Um, or certainly not the most difficult language for for you with already one language under your belt. And so if, if for you in your situation, especially because you live in Spain as well, I would be saying that really you should be spending as much of your time in Spanish as possible. Now, obviously, you've still got to look a few things up. You'll find a new word or expression and you look it up. But whether you look it up in the dictionary in English or Ukrainian, I mean, it really doesn't matter. I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about it at all. It's an interesting sort of theoretical discussion, right? I mean, there are all kinds of layers of theory we could go into here or layers of nuance. I don't know whether English or Ukrainian would give, would kind of shine different lights on the meaning that you get from the Spanish. But um, I, 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 just, I, I really kind of struggle to think that it's a big deal. So I'm going to assume, Andre, that you um, are perfectly happy studying Spanish through English, because your English is excellent. Um, and I'm going to assume that if you look up words or expressions in English, you're you're perfectly comfortable. So in that case, you know, I just, yeah, I would just go ahead and I, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about it. It's certainly not a, a, a drawback, I don't think. It's certainly not holding you back. But the, the question of, of laddering more broadly is quite interesting because, uh, I've learned a few languages before where actually I kind of wished I'd known another language that's closer to it because it would have helped me a lot. So, for example, when I learned Cantonese, a lot of people said, oh, well, Cantonese should be easy because you speak Mandarin, right? And then I would reply, well, actually, no, (laughs) I don't speak any Mandarin. But friends of mine who did speak Mandarin and went on to learn Cantonese had a really easy time because... Cantonese and English are extremely different languages, right? So if you read, if you get a textbook that's written in English for an English-speaking audience about Cantonese, it's full of all these cumbersome explanations of, you know, what's a particle and what's a tone and all this stuff. And it's very, very dreary and 
unnecessary. Now, if you were to get a similar textbook written in Chinese for a Chinese audience, they don't even bother explaining that stuff because there's no need because it's the same in Chinese, which means you can just kind of get cut to the chase much, much quicker. And uh, so I remember thinking at that point, well, I, I would, it would be really nice to speak Mandarin here because I'd just be able to kind of uh, just uh, get through to not, not, I mean, not just simply, not least because uh, they're very similar languages. So knowing Mandarin would have helped me with Cantonese from a linguistic perspective. Simply studying via Chinese would have been helpful because there was all kinds of stuff that they just wouldn't have to explain, like word order, Chinese characters, tones, etc., uh, etc. Et Recently, I, I mentioned at the end of last episode, right, that I just did this Michelle Thomas Korean recording, and I realised I forgot to tell you guys about it. But so they were recording the new a new Michelle Thomas course, um, which is a very for those of you who don't know, it's a kind of very popular audio course using the method that was popularised by the late uh, Michelle Thomas, and uh, they. So they were recording the new Korean course, which is an extensive course, and I was one of the students on it. So I was asked to be a student on, on the course. And so for four days, we went into this recording studio uh, down near near Barbican in central London. And me and uh, Keris, who was another student, so we were the two students, and then Derek and Jiun, who were the, the Korean teachers, along with a whole gaggle of... Uh, of, uh, of staff and engineers and recorders and stuff like that. And uh, we, so I had four days of intensive Korean lessons and um, it was really great fun, like, really exhausting, but mentally like very, very fun. And uh, that's going to be coming out probably later this year. So if, if you want to learn Korean, you can use Michelle Thomas and I will be the student. <laughs> It'll be me on the recording, which probably is enough to put you off for life. But um <laughs> It might be a bit, a bit like listening to the podcast, actually. Anyway, a, lo- a lot of the... T- so, anyway, what happened was, a lot of the time, Derek, who was the, the Korean teacher, would be explaining a new concept or asking me a question or asking me to say something. It's a very interactive method, this Michelle Thomas. And so he would say, well, how do you say such and such a thing in Korean? And then I would say it, and what we were kind of realising as we were going is that I was making a lot of assumptions based on my Japanese. So I would be getting my word order generally quite... I would be using word order that he hadn't taught us yet, and I would be kind of emitting and eliding, in a technical term, uh, words which would have been, you know, unnecessary repetition to make the sentence more coherent and natural, which I was taking from my Japanese, right? And so he was kind of constantly having to say... All right, Ollie. Well, that's that's good. That's right. And you've chosen to do this and that, which is which is correct. He would kind of have to explain what I did, and because what was happening was, I was kind of using Japanese as my reference point. Right. So Japanese was my frame in terms of grammar, in particular, and and so I was able to transfer that directly through to my Korean. So if I was going to learn Korean now, and if my Japanese was good enough, then I would. Uh, use a Japanese textbook to learn Korean because there's just again there's just there's just so much there that you don't need to go through because it's the same and you can just you know move move forward faster. So laddering is exceptionally um, useful, very very um, popular technique. If you'd like to hear 
a three-year-old explanation of that from the, back in the beginning of the podcast. It's episode 106, so you can go back to that or go to iwillteachyourlanguage.com forward slash episode 106 to hear that. It was a question from Fernando. And so, so yeah, Andre, I think it's a, it's a great question. It's very stimulating to think about it. Um, I think in your case, you're going to be absolutely fine. So keep doing what you're doing. Good luck with the Spanish. We've got lots of um, lots of podcasts here on the topic of Spanish. So you, there's plenty of other things, uh, bits of advice and tips here for you as well. And if you are intermediate level, and this, uh, this is my segue to the end of the podcast, where I like to leave you with a resource of some kind on the topic of the show. If you are intermediate Spanish, then you might like to uh, enroll in my Fluent Spanish Academy because the academy is geared uh, directly or specifically to intermediate level Spanish learners. And so I hope you get fluent in Spanish or rather move from the intermediate to the advanced level using the exact same uh, strategies and materials that I used. Um, so it's, uh, it's really cool. And you can go to fluentspanishacademy.com if you'd like to read more about that. Okay, Andre, thank you very much for your question. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you back in the next episode of the podcast. Adios. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. You know, one of the questions I get asked most often about language learning is how to improve your memory. Because things get so much easier when you learn new words and you don't forget them later in conversation when you really need them. So what I decided to do was to put together a, a, a short email course. It's a three-part email course over three days that teaches you my favorite techniques for memorizing vocabulary and actually putting that vocabulary into your long-term memory. It's a short course, three days, it's completely free, and if you'd like to sign up for it, please go to iwillteachyourlanguage.com forward slash free memory course.